Welcome to the Brazilian Beat. Join us as we get to know the Brazilian percussion music making community one interview at a time. Here we are at episode 70. This is Diana. Sweet. This is Courtney. Hey. How are you, Diana? Good. How are you? Good. 70. Almost at 100. <laughs> we are we are now uh we should be careful because we might get COVID. We're in the high risk range. <laughs> We're in our 70s. <laughs> yeah. So I'm recording outside. You guys might be able to hear birds. There's a uh, pipe blue in the house. So we've got all kinds of loud fans and things in there. So I'm outside. I'm inside and you might hear my husband playing tabla. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so here we are. Um, another episode. We hope you've been enjoying these uh, recent ones we've done uh, with lots of folks from Rio, right? Yeah, I've been enjoying doing them. I yeah. mean, you know, social distancing and, and not talking a lot to people. I mean, I've been trying to call friends and things, mm-hmm. but these long in-depth interviews have been really good for for me. Yeah, just good to have these connections and mm-hmm. um, it's you know, it's nice that we can say, well, hopefully one day we can, you know, actually meet in person. <laughs> yeah. So I'm we happy will. to be doing these. Yes. And maybe we'll get to see each other, Courtney. <laughs> <laughs> one day. Yes. One day I'll get to see you. Um, so I just wanted to remind everybody, you can um, find us at thebrazilianbeat.com where you can stream our episodes. You can email us if you have any comments at thebrazilianbeat at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at thebrazilianbeat1. You can find us at on Facebook at the Brazilian Beat Podcast and also on Instagram at the Brazilian Beat. That's right. And if you guys need instruments and accessories, mallets, things like that, new heads, uh, you can get those at gosamba.net. I've been getting a few orders coming in. Good. You guys are changing heads and practicing cavaquinhos and <laughs> and uh, doing some maintenance. And yeah, it seems like people are practicing now. So that's awesome. You need to get some videos of people doing that. And then we can even oh. post them on both of our pages. That's true. Yeah, I'll do that. So uh, if you guys uh, are looking for lessons, you guys are practicing, you guys are wanting new material, we have several people, great former podcast guests, most of them, Mm -hmm. all of them, um, who are teaching lessons online. Mestre Dudu Fuentes teaches lessons and speaks English, so um, you can check him out. Mestre Junior Sapayo is teaching lessons. Ayelton Nunez, Mestre Ayelton Nunez, legend. Uh, Pitoku for your uh, Northeastern styles. Uh, Francisco Machado, who we had on recently, is doing um, online classes for his Bloco, Noso Bloco, and Douglas Georgi um, for Contemplé. So check, we have all the information for those on our website under the resources page, so go check those out. Please take advantage of those um, opportunities because these folks really need the work. It's, you know, it's crazy time here, but it's even worse there. Um They've lost a lot of their jobs um, coming to the U.S., coming to going to Europe. So please um, help support your your teachers. Yes, yes. And the and if you if it makes you feel better, the dollar goes a really long ways there. So um, what's a, kind of a smaller amount of money for us is a huge amount of money there. It's five to one right now. So yeah, do it. So who do we have today, Courtney? <laughs> 
today, <laughs> today we have Vincent or Vincent Bonnet. Uh, he is French by nature, but Brazilian by soul. Um, he's been a drummer since 1995, and he's paraded with several samba schools, big samba schools in Rio. Um, I would say he's most adagi. He spent that's where he's done spent most of his time. Um, he loves samba school parades so much that he decided to live in Brazil. And we talk about that in this podcast. Um, he's worked in the sound of drums and samba schools for more than 10 years. And what that means is that he's been recording baterias and figuring out the best way to record super loud baterias um, for a really long time. Uh, yeah, definitely more than 10 years. And he's, he's the audio guy for the Trofeo Bateria uh, YouTube channel. And he also used to do Samba Neurotico, and he's just been doing this a really, really long time. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. He talks to us about um, kind of changes that have happened in the technology and also about which Samba schools are like the best to record. He doesn't, there's like some. I'm not going to say who it is. You'll have to listen to find out, but there's one bateria <laughs> that is so well balanced, he doesn't have to do any mixing at all post-processing so yeah he's got so much insider information it's great yeah yeah he knows how he has all these tips and tricks of how to do everything and how to process afterwards so yes we're gonna have some uh links to his the different uh tools and things that he uses um on our website so you can go to our website check that out so enjoy the episode Hello, good morning. Hey, Courtney, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? You got a little sniffle going. Uh, yeah, I think I have some allergies or something. I do not have the coronavirus. <laughs> Thank God. Um, yes, I'm fine. But I'm happy to be here this morning for another interview in our coronavirus series. <laughs> Coronapod series, yeah. Who do we have today, Courtney? Today we have Vincent Bonnet. Hello, welcome Hello. to the show. Did I pronounce your name correctly? Uh, I mean, my name is Vincent. Yeah, I know it's, it's a French name, so Vincent Bonnet. Uh, but I'm I'm used to to hear my name in such different different ways than that's fine for now. But right. basically, in my closer, uh, uh, I'd say, relationship with my 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 colleagues, they call me Vince most of the time. So it's pretty English or Vincent or Vicente. Uh, yeah. I've heard like so many, so many Ooh, versions like of my name now. That I'm quite <laughs> funny things. Yeah. yeah, yeah. American pronunciation and Portuguese. Yeah. Oh, even, even Brazilian pronunciation of my name is quite funny. And uh, I've heard uh, people calling me Yansan, Massan. <laughs> Many different words that <laughs> are similar to Vincent, but are pretty not the same meaning. <laughs> right, right. Funny. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And um, you have quite a story. Um, we would love to hear um, about how you ended up in Brazil. But first, can you tell us about um, where you grew up and your first exposure to music? 
Okay, wow. <laughs> so it's a long time ago. <laughs> time passes. Um, so I was born in Paris uh, in uh, 76. Uh, but most of my family is from the south of France, a region uh, called Languedoc. So it's the, mm-hmm. it's the region of Carcassonne, Toulouse, uh, Perpignan. So it's a very mm-hmm. beautiful region that unfortunately I've never lived there. I was there only for holidays or visit, visiting my family. Um, so I, I'm, a, I'm a typical Parisian uh, guy. <laughs> And it's not a good thing <laughs> for, for French population. It's almost an insult. Um, but yes, I, I grew up in, a, in, the, in the close neighborhood of Paris. Um, and um, my first exposure to music, probably from recording that my parents were listening, um, but playing or, or doing music, uh, I think the I took some piano lessons that were pretty traumatic. To be oh, no. <laughs> I didn't like yeah. it. But I, I like the raw thing, the thing that you, you need to tap on things to make some noises. Uh, my parents should have put me on, on, on drums lessons or things like that. It would be more, uh, more appropriate. But, uh, and then I, I did some chorals. Um, and then when I was uh, at the university, and this is where all this uh, Latin music started, I remember there, there were these lessons. Uh, it was Cuban percussion lessons. And I loved it. I loved uh, the Cuban music, uh, and I still love it. And uh, I wanted to play congas, and I, I played conga, congas for, for a while. Um, mm. So I, I was taking all these lessons and I loved it and all, all the, the Cuban references. And it was back in 90, wow, well, 96. Yeah, 96 after the back, uh, the, the, the final high school exam in France. So I, mm. my first year at the university, we had, I had this uh, great time playing and, and all these references. A bit after that, there was this... Um, some years after this, there was this boom with uh, Buena Vista Social Club. And oh, yeah. uh, it was this, this kind of moment where um, the, the traditional Latin American music uh, exploded in the sense that it became very popular. But before that, it was 96, so I took those lessons, and one day the teacher uh, was healing. It was, it was impossible for him to give the lessons. And I remember the... Um, the girl who was responsible for these uh, activities at the, at the university, um, a great, great uh, guitar player, classical guitar player. Her name is Marie, Marie Bancel. Uh, and uh, she, she was married for many years with the Brazilian. And she, 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 she was, and she's still a great, great player. And, and specifically, uh, Brazilian guitar player playing mostly uh, uh, What's his name? Uh, Baden Powell, specifically. And she told me, you know what? We have a new, uh, we have a new teacher, and he's great. His name is Coatiji Oliveira, and he, he's teaching Brazilian rhythm. And I said, wow, okay, let's try it. No, no problem. I will have my congas uh, lessons today. Let's try it. And it was like 
it was great. It was like when you listen to something and say, "Wow, this is it." <laughs> <laughs> this is it I like that and and it was uh, it was interesting because in latin music you and I, I was playing congas and also um uh, other things where when you you yourself you need to you, you need to play uh, many different instruments and with this brazilian lessons you were just one in the middle of many people trying to fit and try to do something collectively and i really liked it <laughs> i didn't feel really comfortable in in being in being the only drummer there on the set even even if you interact with singers and and um, and the other instrument players the drum section was basically one or two person or two people in, 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 right. in the afro-cuban uh, section there it was completely different <laughs> it was like 30 <laughs> people <laughs> trying to get together drums and I, I really loved it and Quatro de Oliveira it's, it's very uh, interesting guys and people should uh, research about him uh, he had a I remember recorded CD I had it in France maybe it's my my stuff there but um, he played for many years with Baden Powell by the way Baden Powell brought him to Europe when uh, when Baden after the I mean, during the dictatorship, he, he mm-hmm. came to Europe and and uh, and he spent a lot of time in Paris and in Germany. So he brought this guy. This guy uh, did many things in France and collaborated with many many different artists. So it, it was a, a very it was serious. <laughs> it was a great teacher. So he taught us many different rhythms uh, from maraca to to. To samba, of course, but many other machish and many other rhythms. Mm. Um, so I loved it, and I, I decided it was pretty quick. I mean, I think two or three weeks after that, I said, "Okay, I think I, I know a lot of Cuban music, and I loved it, and um, I'm probably going to continue playing congas with uh, some some other groups, but I, I want to explore that. I want to deep dive in." To this samba thing, and the the, the guys were were the, I mean these collective things and all, all, all these guys, which, which was really really good, and I felt good playing with those guys, and I made friendship that are still uh, vivid <laughs> until mm-hmm. until today, very strong friendship, and uh, so I, I really deep dive, and then I I started playing with a group called Chocalio, and uh, when I say play with this group, it means Almost professional, professionally, we had those shows where we were uh, earning a bit of money, <laughs> not too much, but a very little bit. But really, uh, looking backward, uh, I realized that we it wasn't really um, authentic. We were playing a lot of samba, but it was mimicking samba. We, and we, <laughs> looking backward, really, I realized that we were playing very wrongly <laughs> at the minimum. Uh, but at the time in France, and I'm talking about 99, 98, uh, it was at the time of the Copa du Monde, right, in Paris. And I remember during the, the, the World Cup, I remember that uh, I was in Saint-Denis and there was this parade. And the parade was, uh, it, it was a group composed of many different players of Rio and uh, all directed by Jean-Jean. Maestro Jean Jean. Uh, yeah. And I, I say, wow, but this sounds completely different from what 
we guys are are trying to do. Can you was hear me? Was this another group in in France that Georgian was visiting, or did they bring them from Brazil? Yeah, they brought him from Brazil for. Yeah, for wow. The oh, wow, awesome. Then, yeah, and uh, but there was Caesar. There was many different famous people that oh, are wow. famous today. They were they were mm-hmm. part of. So I wow. followed them the whole the whole parade, and I was like, <laughs> yeah. I was <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, I was completely possessed, and the way they were playing the instrument, I said, "Wow, this this is an energy an energy that I, I was trying to reach all, all these years, but it was impossible." And we had very few um, recordings, or, or there were very few documents, very few things about. Uh, authentic samba and real samba. So I was really, you know, where, where <laughs> maybe too much, but you know, when you're addicted to something and, and you you don't have enough of that, <laughs> you get crazy yeah. and you try to, to search for any single trace, any any single uh, bits of, of that. I was really mad, like uh, – looking in every single um, mediatek, which they would call that in France. I don't know if you have that in, in the States, but it's like a library, but for music. Hmm. Uh, so I, I looked for a lot of, lot of recordings. And at the time, internet, let me tell you, internet was not what it is today. No. Yeah, very no, few I things. That. I remember the late 90s, it was very slow internet. I've been using it mm-hmm. at, the, at the university and it's no music on it, no video, nothing. Yeah, yeah. No YouTube. <laughs> oh, oh, like one photo would take 20 minutes to load and stuff. Yeah, I know, it was crazy. Oh, really? It was uh, frustrating. Uh, yeah. And then after Chocalio, I, um, I mean, at the time, all the groups, it was a few groups. You had Chocalio, you had uh, Samba Tuk that was already existing. You had Aquarela, a few Samba groups that we can mm-hmm. call, I Samba, the, the auto um uh, they, they call themselves uh, Samba, even if it's pretty far from what we have in Rio. Um, but uh, I started to play with Samba Tuk um, at the beginning of, of, uh, of the century. That <laughs> 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 sounds so old. But yeah, it was in 2001 or two. I started to play with them. Their, their energy was great. And it was a lot of friends. Uh, was such a good time. I, I, I mean, and the director of that yeah. is, um, uh, what's her today, name? to be honest, I don't remember his name. Uh, the, I the was really at the time, at, at the time, it was Jehome. Who has the, um, oh, okay. Oh, no, no. The, the first time I played with somebody, the, the mestre was uh, Jan uh, at the time. And then, so I started, and those guys in 2000, somebody came to Rio as a, a I would say, tour- both touristic and musical trip. They came to Rio because they had someone in the group that was uh, into the samba school in Rio. He knew most of that for years. And he said, okay, guys, you, uh, I see you're into it, but you, you need to go there to really feel it in your, mm-hmm. in your body. It's not just listening to a recording or watching a mm-hmm. video. You, you need to feel it. Because it's going to to ignite something much more powerful than just trying to 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 imitate something that you listen to. 
So in 2000, they, they came to Rio and they had a great, great time. They met uh, a lot of people, but mostly at Mossadaj. Um, so they took some classes with Dudu at the time and, and, uh, and Jonas. Mm-hmm. He wasn't master at the time, he was just the tambourine section uh, director. Um, but then it was the start of everything. And, and really, uh, I would say the, um, the way samba um, happened in Paris and in France uh, happened after this trip. You had some very important people in France, like uh, Klaus Blatkis, for example, or... or uh, Jean-Christophe Jacquin, who were the, the whole school, like the Velia Guard of the Samba in France. Uh, and um, they were really important, but they had their group. They, were, they, they weren't uh, sharing a lot of things at the time. But after Samba 2 went there, uh, it, it's really, it really spread. So I started playing with Samba 2, and, and they learned a lot coming to And very quickly, they learned a lot about what is Samba in Hedo and how do you play it? which is completely different from what we were doing. I remember with Shokado, we were really experimenting at the time, mixturing things that you should not mixture, or maybe for fun, but, I mean, trying to to, to do some jazz thing, almost, was mixturing some of Maraca 2 and a bit of, of uh, traditional uh, jazz. was <laughs> pretty funny. But then after this trip, it was, no, 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 we, we need to do samba the way it is, and really classic Samaretto. And uh, so I started playing with them and, and they knew a lot and they had, they had a, a pretty big uh, portfolio of music that they've, they've, uh, they've learned. Uh, mostly of the 2000 uh, parade, official parade, they knew all the tunes and all the tambourine section arrangement and all, all the breaks and everything. So I had to learn <laughs> all these things because uh, let me tell you, it's a lot of information with you start out, even if you're, you're I, I've never been a professional musician. It was all, all, always for a hobby or, or fun, but even though I, I dedicated a lot of time uh, to that. So I needed to learn a lot. So I remember at the time I, I, I bought a recorder. It was an MD recorder. MD, it's mini-disc. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a technology that Sony invented quite at the same time as the CD, but it was a mini CD, basically. And the, yeah. the, the recording quality was so great <laughs> for the for comparing to what you had at the time. It's very good. I so, so, I, yeah. Yeah, so I started to recording the rehearsals just to, to, to learn the parts. And then, uh, so I... At the same time, I started to, to work there in Paris in, uh, in the startup environment, and it was an online music <laughs> startup. Mm-hmm. It was called People Sound. So it was great. It was like a, a community of musicians sharing their musics, and, um, and uh, we were trying to do some um, compilations of music to, to sell it to, to majors, basically. And then, uh, so I didn't have a lot of holidays during this period. I was working a lot uh, because I really believed in, in, in this uh, story. But Samba took continued to, to go to Brazil every year. And, there, and so this Samba things got stronger and stronger. And they knew 
and they were learning um, more and more music, uh, not only from the 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 carnival of the year, but also previous uh, sambas. And um, and then in 2003, I say, okay, I'm I'm having my holidays. I'm going to spend at the carnival in Rio. And then, <laughs> I mean, I, I was already addicted <laughs> to it. Definitely uh, spending mo- most of my uh, weekends and and most of my time was about samba already at the time. But after this this trip. I mean, there were no return possible. When you feel something uh, change in your life, and it's it's maybe um, tacky, <laughs> maybe to say that, but yeah, it was was that. And I remember I I went straight to um, the Conge de Bonfin, this big street you have in Tijuca, where you have on Sundays you have. Traditionally, the, the rehearsals of Chijuca, Unidos de Chijuca and Salguero. And so the first rehearsal I saw in my life was Salguero. Uh, at the time, you had Mestre Lolo, who was the, the, the mestre of Salguero, and Jonas was the, the tambourine section director there. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, wow, <laughs> I mean, it was 300 people playing what we were doing in the, in the very small room with uh, maximum 30 people in Paris um, with a lot of noise. And that becomes 300 in the street with a uh, fucking, sorry for that. Excuse <laughs> no my problem. French. Like, <laughs> you can say something. whatever you want. Such an energy, something so strong. That you, it was uh, the beat was not just in your ear; it was literally in your in your body. Like, yeah. So it was, yeah. It, and right after that, there was this Unidos that Chijuca rehearsal, and the the samba that year was uh, uh, about Obatala in two thousand and three. It was on the one of the most beautiful samba ever, <laughs> and the tambourine parts were really, really great. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I mean, more than great. It was fucking awesome. And uh, who was the mystery? At, who was the mystery? At, oh, it was Celino at the time. Celino, uh, and uh, the the tambourine director was Ricardinho, who after became uh, the mystery at uh, at the Uchi. And the whole tambourine section was one of the most famous one at the time. Uh, a great group. I mean, the guys were incredible. So and and. Um, so yeah, I started recording this because at the time we had no, I mean, it was really about learning. So I started recording that. Um, I still have this recording. It's one of my favorite, favorite one. And um, on yeah, your mini disc? Yeah, on the, on, on the street. I mean, it was a street rehearsal. And at the, at the time it's pretty, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I took my recorder and, uh, and uh, I started recording that despite of, all the thing I heard about security and oh, you cannot mm. show that it's a, it's an expensive equipment. Be careful. I say, you know what? Fuck it. <laughs> I really, need, I really need to record that because it was incredible. And um, so I start recording, and I had this microphone. I mean, it was really hard and craft recording. <laughs> I remember I was like. Uh, 
So I had this microphone and the wire was connected to, to, to the recorder. So I had the recorder in my pocket and I was with my hand, I was just trying to pick mm. the different part. <laughs> and uh, and uh, recording is not that bad. <laughs> I can share it with you if you want afterward. But um, yeah, so great, great moment and uh, a very important moment in my life, I would say. Uh, there was a before and after this day. And then, uh, so during this holiday, we went to most of the big schools. Um, but the most important one was Mossadaj, definitely, because Samba took at this context already at Mossadaj. They went there many times. They even made a show uh, at Mossadaj once. And so the community at Mossadaj was... Um, was connected to us and we were connected to the community we knew i mean the, the band knew most of the the the, the rhythmists they are the players mm-hmm. and everything was new for me but many of the people that i was meeting during uh this night at Mosedad, I, I already knew about them because uh the group i mean people from sambatu coming to rio they when they came back to paris they were telling us everything counting us, everything that happened and all the names and who's doing what. He was fantastic and this director and this guy is, is playing such a way you need to see that, blah, blah, blah. So it was pretty funny because I was putting a face on, on someone's name somehow. And, uh, yeah, and, and I mean, because of this proximity with Mossadaj, um, we knew how to, 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 to play it and I knew uh, most of it and the rhythm is uh, the, the way most of that played samba it's uh, it's uh, very different in, in, mm-hmm. and it's something I, it, it's a style that I really really love because it's um, it's really not squared it's about rounding those traditional times that you uh, that you have in, in whatever music it goes around it's much more yeah it's a rounded rhythm i'd say and i was it was fantastic and and it's about friendships too because they were so open and even if they didn't know me at the time but i was part of sambatuk and i was very close to laurence and jerome and and all the people from sambatuk that they already they immediately adopted me <laughs> mm-hmm. i'd say and it, it was very comforting and very um Wow, it was so good to meet so open people and and caring people. I mean, Brazilian, mm-hmm. <laughs> definitely. So yeah, we played, and and the good thing is that we we were allowed to play there because, I mean, it was it's been three years that somebody was coming to Rio, and um, so but, right the first night I must have died, I already took my tambourine and I. I I went up on the stage and I started playing with the guys. And let me tell you, the, the tambourine parts at Mossadaj at the time were incredible. I mean, uh, it, was, it was great. And, and, and the whole group was incredible. So, yeah, it was a, 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 a lot of fun. And then, um, so the holidays ended and I had to come back to Paris. And I were, after a week back in Paris, the company closed. <laughs> <laughs> basically oh. the end of the startup adventure and i say okay wow what's gonna happen now i need to find a new and new things to do 
So it was a, a bit of a, a boring period. It was the end of this big boom of internet to 2003. Oh, right, right, right. And it was a hard time to find another opportunity to work. And I, I spent a lot of the month doing nothing, trying to find a job. And I said, you know what? And it was in September, October. I said, you know what? I, I know now if I really want to improve and to... To, to, to see more of that culture, I need to go there for a while. And I said, you know what? I'm going to spend three to four months in Rio. So I flew back in Rio. It was in October. And I spent October to, to March. And I basically, I followed all the, all the, the year's carnival preparation and all this rehearsal and all the, the story, right? The, mm-hmm. the thing that, the, this month where everything happens and, uh, and it was great because it was uh, I could understand everything that was around, and not just these tiny moments, those fifteen days before and after the, the parade. It was uh, wider. I, I could say uh, the rehearsal where people needs to learn the part, and it's very hard because when we when you come to Rio just for the parade, you say, "Oh my God, they are playing so well and so perfectly. Those guys are genius." But no, it takes time. It takes a lot of rehearsal, a lot of time adjusting and learning parts and everything. Um, so it was, I learned a lot, uh, a lot, a lot. And it was samba basically from Monday to Monday, like every day. <laughs> it was really bulimic. And, and how, were your, how were your uh, Portuguese skills at that point? So when I lived in Paris, I, I learned Portuguese. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in Paris because... Uh, my lover at the time was Brazilian, so mm. <laughs> it was a bit easier. And uh, so, yeah, um, I, I I was speaking Portuguese already when I. Oh, when that's I great! Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, people were surprised because people at Samba took they had difficulties with with Portuguese, and and uh, and immediately I was able to. I, I was a kind of the translator. <laughs> the conversation. Mm. But what are you coming from? Who are you? Who are you? Uh, how do you? Yeah, <laughs> well, and I and uh, I I had this São Paulo uh, accent at the time. <laughs> Say, who the fuck are you? You're coming from <laughs> France and you speak like a Paulista. How does it come? And uh, so it was funny. So yeah, Portuguese was a barrier. Of of course, I've improved a lot since then, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and you know Portuguese. I mean Portuguese. When you go uh, in the in the when you speak with different people, aged people or people in the favelas, that use a lot of uh, expressions. It was very tough. It it wasn't the academic right. that I was used to. Definitely, sure. I had a very hard time. But even though I think it's, it was okay. Yeah. Is this the same time period you met Bruno? Uh, Bruno. So Bruno in 2003 was in the United States. Mm. <laughs> he was doing, right. he was okay. having this experience right. in Portland. So no, right. I I heard about Bruno a lot, a lot. So I knew Bruno without without meeting him yet. And uh, so I only knew Bruno when I came back in Rio. So yeah, it was in October, November. Yeah, I knew Bruno at that time. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the first time we met it was at. Um, Probably at Saint Clement rehearsal or a rehearsal, and it, I remember it, it, 
I was speaking to them and he did the same thing. He said the same thing that the other was saying. So, wow, this guy, he can't speak Portuguese. How? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was, uh, I mean, during this period, basically, um, many things happened that definitely changed my life. Uh, I met someone and I fell in love. So it was really about love, Brazil. <laughs> uh, loving the country, loving the, the language, the music, the peoples. Uh, and uh, I had this friend who was uh, starting a, a company in Brazil and she needed someone with uh, techie skills. And mm. uh, so I started working with her. And I, I mean, very quickly I said, you know what? I, I, could, I could spend a, lot, a bit more time than four months. So I, and I had this friend, very close friend, a Brazilian friend in the, in the embassy of uh, Brazil in Paris. And, um, and basically I had this uh, two years uh, student visa. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was not that easy, but I got it because I started to take this uh, Portuguese lesson at the Federal University of Rio, Ufeljota. So I went back to Paris in March, and basically in one month, I said goodbye to everyone, and I closed everything, and I said, you know what? Bye-bye. See you. Uh, <laughs> my family went mad. <laughs> I mean, a lot of my friends were envying me. I mean, they were jealous. <laughs> but I yeah. a decision, but it was a bit of that. I was pretty crazy. I was 27 years at the time. It's not that What young. did your family say? my family say that's pretty risky you're crazy but what can we say what can we do my mother yeah. refused to speak to me uh, for a month <laughs> she wow. said, you're, 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 the worst. you're making the worst error of your life it's uh, oh my god you're not doing that you should not go yeah it was tough it was a risky and i remember when i landed in in rio back it was landing not in the in the carnival period. It was not even yeah. summer anymore. And for for some days and weeks, I say, "Oh my God, what did I do?" <laughs> mm. But you know, I had this idea that, and any times I could go backwards and and take a flight and go back to Paris. So, sure. I mean, I had this comfort. I had this uh, freedom somehow that I. I at any time, if something goes wrong, I have my family, I have my friends back there, and I could go back there. Right. Uh, but, I mean, for many reasons, uh, I liked it. And I started working hard and, and doing a lot of stuff and samba every day. I mean, the first, I think, the first four to five years, it was like uh, really deep diving. This is crazy rehearsing a lot and i started to play with many many different schools um and recording everything because still even if you even if you 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 get used to it the patterns and the things i mean your memory has limits so i and i wanted uh, to record any weight and it became something that um wasn't about just learning it was about recording and say my god no one has it um, and I was sending that to my friends in France and and everywhere. And I say, you know what? Listen to that. And, and it was great because there, there wasn't this material. It, 
no, no one had recorded that before. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I started re recording a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. Uh, hours and hours of recording of uh, every single schools with, you know, when they play the, the old sambas, and I really like that. I mean, documenting the parts of those those old sambas. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Part, because it's something that you, you want to play. And at the time, I was, I was playing. So I was not just listening. I was allowed to play. So I needed to go well. I needed to, to know the part. I could not miss or or do something bad there. So I had this pressure and say, okay, Vince, you know what? You're going to record everything and you, you need to learn everything. You need to be perfect because you're a gringo. And, and if you go, uh, if, you, if you do mistake in the middle of, of the summer, you, I mean, it's going to be terrible for you. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I recorded a lot of stuff. And, um, and even in the way I play, I, I got very frustrated because at some point, I, I thought I was playing well. And in fact, I was terrible. <laughs> and, uh, you were playing tambourine at the time? You're playing so, yeah, yeah, I was playing tambourine. I, I, I mean, I, I was playing at Sambatuk, I was playing almost all the instruments, but real tambourine's the instrument I love mm -hmm. today. And it's very convenient. You feel free. Yes. It's more <laughs> yeah. challenging. It's more, uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I really loved it. <laughs> and I still love it. And um, and my friends at Mossadaj, uh, I think they were they, they were so great, and, and, and they didn't want to tell me that I was not quite there. <laughs> you know, I, something weird happens when I play next to Vincent. I don't know exactly what, but it seems he's on another time. It's not quite so. I had a hard time relearning everything, basically, and changing the way I play. So I was playing uh, a technique was a two-two technique. So I don't know if you're familiar with that, but where yeah. basically you beat two times, and then the two other parts are cre created by the mechanics of, of turning around your tambourine. Mm -hmm. So you don't really control everything, and, and it was not good. So I decided to change to the three uh, three-one. Um, technique which is really being more in the control of the bits and uh, for my harm it was pretty hard but, uh, yeah the, the 2004 and mainly the 2005 carnival it was about learning uh it was tumbling 101 <laughs> really uh -huh. relearning everything and it was great and uh and that year i mean it was great i paired with mosadad with tijuca with Golanjihi, with all the big ones and, and uh, in the tambourine section it was like a dream come true. And uh, in 2003, I parried with Mossadaj at the Kasha already, not tambourine, because it was even coming in October, it was too late. The section was all closed already. It was so many sure. people. One, sure. one could parry with Mossadaj. It was almost impossible for me to, to parade. I knew everything, all the parts and, and stuff, but... No, I went to, to the Kasha and it was so good. <laughs> Spirit was, uh, yeah. And uh, so 2005 and then six, and then my visa expires. And uh, But I renew it for two more years. Mm -hmm. And this is so, a student visa, so you're taking classes the whole time, like Portuguese well, classes? Kind of. Let's <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the two first years, uh, yeah, I was there, and it was very helpful. It, it helped me to understand the subjunctives and 
and some of the mm. peculiarity of, of the language. Yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah. The, the extra two years, like, it wasn't really, I wasn't studying at all, just working and having fun. <laughs> yeah. So four months became two years, two years became four, and then <laughs> became eight, and now it's 17. Wow. I'm there for 17 years. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, do, crazy. Do you have residency or...? Yeah, yeah, I had residency. I married. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I, I don't have the citizenship, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, permanent residency. Nice. And um, so, yeah, a lot of years, I mean, uh, learning a lot and not just about how to play, but about what is it, about who, mm-hmm. who is who, because um, there's a lot of, um, I had the chance to meet a lot of people that aren't living anymore, but there were uh, a, a bit of this history of Samba. And mm. we had this challenge of uh, documenting that too. Because when I was saying that in France, we didn't have the recordings, it was very difficult to, to find some, uh, some sources of information, some recordings. It was the same thing in Brazil. I mean, uh, let's be honest, somebody is, it comes from the, the poorest category of the population. And it's just, even if it's popular to play on the radio, etc., it, it wasn't taken seriously. So you, you, you have very few um, um, universities doing stuff on Samba or research or documenting very few books about it and uh, the only recordings that you had were made by gringos or it was just the city of the samba of, uh, of the carnival mm-hmm. here um so yeah um, more and more uh, i realized that those recording was something interesting and i remember that in 2006 my my mini disc recorders started to to fail. <laughs> so wet here that uh, any electronic device starts really to, to, to break pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So I bought another one uh, in one trip I did to France. And it was pretty expensive at the time. And I, I didn't have a lot of money, <laughs> to be honest. So what I did is I started to put the recordings I was making and I was doing CDs and selling CDs. Nice. It was really, really cheap. Uh, I mean, it was. Uh, I was uh, selling them for five reais or six reais to the players, to the people in the summer school, for them to to learn the parts too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it had a pretty huge success. Let me tell you, I I was able to buy a, a new uh, device every year on those. It was not a fortune. Right. It was just paying that. It was just enough, enough to get you through. Enough yeah, enough to get uh, what I like to do. <laughs> so it was a good, a good thing. But you know, the, the first year I recorded, it was so. I, I, I'm saying it was art and craft, but really, it was that. Do you know the the, the old radios that you have this uh, this metallic antenna that goes expandable, mm-hmm. this expandable mm-hmm. antenna. So I took one of these so I could put my microphone on it. And it was a very small. Oh, my God. Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> trying to take the parts in, in, in the school. And it was the beginning of the rehearsal in the, in the Sambadramo. In the, in mm-hmm. the uh-huh. 
back in 2003, 2004, it was really the beginning of this movement of this, uh, yeah, let, let's let's use the samba drum to do something not just for the carnival, but also for the rehearsal. And it was so yeah. funny. I mean, it was ridiculous. Let, let, let's admit it. With <laughs> <laughs> my my ridiculous recorder there, and when you <laughs> when you go there today, wow, it's like many people recording with a very professional uh, instrument and everyone has a smartphone. It, it becomes one of the most recorded thing uh, of the year. Uh, but at the time, I was the only guy there recording for many, many years. And I became known as the, the French crazy guys recording everything. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. And then I started to work with uh, Globo and the team mm-hmm. that responsible to uh, recall the, the the official parade and bruno mm. told us about that he bruno, did that yeah too, i worked right? with bruno yeah. with uh with uh with uh, our band our <laughs> the friends the, the small friends group so it was me bruno uh Edson, eduardo genio all folks from mosadage we had this mm-hmm. chance let me tell you the first time I went there, I, I wasn't uh, working. Uh, Klaus Blatskist, that uh, I invite you to know about this guy. So Klaus is a singer. He's, he was the lead singer of, uh, of a legendary uh, alternative rock, French uh, alternative rock called Magma. Uh, mm-hmm. a very peculiar music, but very <laughs> uh, important and necessary music. Something really, wow, <laughs> epic. <laughs> But this guy was uh, even he was the lead singer of a rock band. No, he was he was mad for samba, and um, and he had this friend that was uh, working for this uh, company that recorded the and transmitting the carnival uh, to Global and all the companies, and uh, invited me to to have the, the pass right to be on the to I mean literally in awesome. the parade. Uh, for, I mean it was. Crazy because nobody <laughs> you, you were seeing that on the Archibancada, right? On the yeah, in the San and it's very far, yeah. and, and it's not. I mean, it's very frust- I mean, it's great, but it becomes frustrating. You want to see more, and you want to be part of it. You want to be part of every single parade, and uh, I did that the first time I, I, I was there was two thousand and five. And uh, and that, I did that for many years, and it was wow. Uh, Again, I was recording everything. <laughs> yeah, and, and we did some tests. I remember the, the first time he, he tried an equipment to record in 5.1 Dolby Stereo. And uh, he, still, he, still have, uh, he still has this recording at home. And, uh, and it's beautiful. Wow, you, you, you feel you're in the middle of the battery. Mm. Great, great recordings. And um, yeah, did that for, for many years. Um, and yeah, pretty, pretty singular. I mean, is Klaus, is Klaus the guy that helped set up the, um, the system for the speakers up and down the Symbodromo? Is that the same so person? So Klaus didn't really help this. Klaus, at the time he was working for a journal, uh, professional journal magazine about, uh, sound recording uh, materials, mm. and he did recommended um, uh, a brand of uh, speakers 
that are still used in the samba drama every year. Those okay. the, those that are uh, giving the 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 sun for the freezers. It's mm-hmm. uh, I think the name of that is Vidoc, something like that. It's a technology. It's a French technology, but it's great. The sound is really authentic. The the problem is that the guy on the mix table are doing very a bad job because yeah. they, they they're trying to remix everything and they don't give the authenticity of it. So one of the things that um, I mean, not because I want it, but the the kind of recording I was doing was really bad because it, it was only one source of sound, my microphone one, and I, I mean I improved, but at the time it was only one micro. And it was uh, saturated, definitely. It was raw. Yeah. It was raw. Right. But I think it was part of it because it is saturated, because mm. it's raw, because it's it's dirty, because the guy is screaming in the microphone, because everything is <laughs> extreme. Right. It, you're putting a very clean, educated, uh, you know, recording with all the levels and that's not samba. That's not the parade. That's definitely not what, what is happening here. So uh, even mm-hmm. if I had the opportunity to uh, challenge myself to do something more clean, every time I use some more uh, advanced equipment to do that, I, I felt frustrated. I say, oh, yeah, it's nice, but it's, this is not what I want. Um, and I, I remember when I, I put my... my one day I, I I gave my recordings to the important guys at Liesa, you know, the guys responsible mm-hmm. for the sound and uh, and for for the organization. And basically, it was funny because the guy responsible for the sound say, "Oh, this this is shit. This is so dirty. Ah, wow! How can you listen to that?" But all the other people were loving it, and I <laughs> I had to distribute the CD to all the important guys at Liesa because. It was great. You you put that that city on your car, and you're really in the middle of the of the battery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you could listen to every single part, every single instrument, and it was automatically mixed because a battery is mixed. It's a it, the, the, right. the proportion is there, and that gives the identity of the battery. The number of soda of kasha of repeat, the proportions of each section give the identity uh, of this battery at that moment. Of that year, depending of the, the the what the mastery wants to do, or where what is the tradition of the school, or what is the trend, uh, and, and and it's funny when you listen to my recording and you go backward, you, you really feel that yeah. You, I mean, I'm able today to to recognize a battery just listening to a small bit of it. So this is. Oh, this is Tijuca in, in '98. Oh, that's that's Mosedaj in, in in 2011. Or this is Grandjehu in in 2008 or something like that. Because really, it's uh, uh, it's singular. You 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 can really identify the changes and how it goes through time. Bruno, Bruno was. I'm going to interrupt you for just a second. Bruno was saying the same thing, and also that um, you kind of doing that job where he where he worked with Globo and, and walked with the different batterias, he said he also kind of understood, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but the way I took what he said was he kind of understood the kind of the soul of that different batteria, like the different people and how they 
played the music and like the energy that they put into it. And it was different. Like the culture of each, each group was different. And he sort of learned a lot about that doing that job. Definitely. We've learned a lot. I mean, uh, and when you talk about the energy, that's funny. It's, uh, there are many different theories that explain why this, this summer school uh, plays the cash at this way or why they don't have a sordo and why the other one are three, this other one have, uh, they have two, and why do they play the rapic that way? Some say that it comes from the, the religion and, uh, and it refers to uh, the candomblé uh, kind of music they play for different gods they have. There's a lot of truth in that, really. You, you can say, for example, that uh, the Mossadat's rhythm come, probably comes from uh, the traditional, traditional chant and rhythm to Ogun, uh, and uh, that the Shtasu style, which is more square and more aggressive and more divided, it's, it's probably something to, to Shango, something more, more masculine, more, uh, more I, don't, I don't know how to say that, but... Uh, a bit of warrior thing. And it's not a coincidence that you call the Kasha de Guerra now, right? The, the mm-hmm. Kasha is Kasha de Guerra. It's something really uh, military almost. <laughs> so th- there's a truth of that. But then you, you start listening to it and you really realize that it, even if people say, oh, it's all the same thing. No, it's not. You, you really can identify differences. This modern area era that we have today, sorry, um, those last 10 years, it has changed a lot. I mean, we have those debate, even with Bruno, and I think we agree that the battery has improved a lot in, um, in standardizing a little bit more their rhythm, just like if they were trying to, to, to go back to their origins and to clean it a little bit, because... We, we went through a period where most of the school were losing their identity. Things were becoming a little bit closer. All because you had those influencers um, that were having great results, great notes in, in, the, in the parade with a, with a very clean and more, uh, yeah, more standardized patterns. Uh, and, and Odilon is really responsible for that, right? He, he, he standardized it. He say, okay, all the Kasha needs to play the same way, and they need even have to to have the same movement. Even for Tamri, I remember the first year I parade for Granjiri, I had such a hard time with this guy because I remember I was trying to migrate from my two to two, my two two technique to the three one technique, and I have I was having a hard time, and I was kind of shy. So I mean, I remember he. he during this rehearsal, he was coming next to me and he said, oh, play louder. I want to hear, play louder. And then he was going out. Mm. And then, and when he came, he came back, he said, no, you, <laughs> you need to, you need to, don't, don't, don't play that loud. <laughs> I was lost. I mean, play that way. No, play that way. It was like bullying me. It was bullying, definitely. But then I understand why he did that, because Gondjahir at the time didn't really have uh, an identity, was not the most recent school created in, in, in Rio. And uh, so you had people coming from everywhere. Uh, everyone was coming with his reference of how do you play pseudo and kasha and tambourine. And he said, no, 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 
it's too noisy. It's too, we need to, everyone needs to play the same way. Uh, hmm. And I don't quite agree with that, to be honest, because, uh, and most of that, for example, you don't have two people playing the same way tambourine. And I, I, I filmed them. I even filmed Bruno and, and uh, Alex and Hudson and Jefferson and, and Eduardo and all those guys. I filmed them in slow motion. No one's, no one played the same way. No one. It's, I mean, it's crazy. But what comes from that, it's so rich <laughs> because it's the, 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 the swing comes not from a movement or a technique, comes from something more uh, raw, something more natural. Same thing for the, for the kasha. Of course, they need to have the same energy and the, the, it needs to sound the same. I don't know if I, I can express that well, but it needs to sound the same or else it's going to be something very noisy and bad. But it doesn't necessarily need to be the same way. And for the cash, it's very, it's something interesting because the cash at Mossadad, you have this debate. Uh, either you need to alternate your arms when you play the kasha. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to tap on my table because it's, <laughs> I think it's going to be bad for the recordings. But, you know, this so this, this uh, you need to alternate. So, Instead of uh, uh, doing two beats at the same time in one hand and then two other beats on the other hand, you need to alternate. Yeah, we call that hand to hand when you alternate. When you alternate hands in the United States, we call that hand to hand if you alternate. Hand to hand. But you have another technique, and you have like ten different ways of playing the same thing. What What really matters is that that's the result you have, the outcome of your movement you have. Does it give the same swing? the same will to dance and the same wow. Yeah, so that's great. Play it the way you want. But what really matters is the outcome, not the way you're going to do it. And it's Mm -hmm. a bit of what I'm trying to explain here is that I've learned that away looking at the guys. And more and more, I... You you can identify when when it gets really uh, divine. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'd say. <laughs> and it's really important for me recording because uh, until today I, I, I record and Bruno helps me. We have this uh, this project together, uh, the Trofe Bateria, where we, 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 it's a, yeah, we reward the, the best batteries and the best sections, all that stuff. So it was really important to me recording to, to find the, ba- the best spot within the battery to record. Because... Perfection doesn't exist. You always have some people that are not that good. What what matters is the is the whole thing, right? The the, the whole um, how to say that? Uh, yeah, the the old battery. But when you are inside of it, recording, because the the microphone on are not that um, they can record everything. They record in a, in a small range around them. You really need mm-hmm. to find it spot and uh so it was a necessity for me to try to identify okay what's going to be the best spot to represent and to 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 be authentic for that battery that really represent the equilibrium that you have within and um and uh yeah uh, at the end we, we we have our favorite spot recording 
which is uh, my, my favorite spot is really after the last line of tambourines, uh, between the tambourines and the rest of the battery. Most of the time, the lead surdos and repic are closer to that place, which is the, the heart. With, of the, the, with the microphones, can I can I ask you a question? Do you have, yeah. do you stand behind the tambourines and like with your microphones facing backwards? Or are they no. are they facing so, straight down? So or? Something really important happened. Uh, it's the the zoom. So the the, um, the multidirectional <laughs> microphone. Yes. Yes. The, the, the capacity that these this little marvelous device <laughs> uh, gives you the opportunity to record in 5.1, basically, to have to really have a stereo multidirectional microphone. So you you are recording at the same time in the front, in the back, on the right, on the left. So you have the whole thing all together, and really. There is a before and after this machine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's definitely a point where the where the recordings, like even you can even still today watch on YouTube. Anything before Zoom is just really hard to listen to with headphones on because it's so like it's like ear piercing. And then yeah. after Zoom, yeah. <laughs> there's like this point where you're like, oh, I can hear everything. Like I can hear all the different parts and not just noise. Like there's yeah. Yeah, I mean, totally. with the MD and this, uh, I had this yeah directional stereo microphone i need to i i needed to, to mix i mean i was like i had to to, yeah. to direct the microphone in such a direction that i was mixing so now i want a bit of kasha so i, I was going to the kasha it was a lot of kasha too much kasha and then go to the repeat it, it was very hard to have all of them together with the zoom i was able to to have that but even though you need to find the best place because you need to, yeah. you need to have an equilibrium or else it's going to be Can I- I'm sorry, I keep interrupting you. Um, can I ask you a question about that? Like, I have a Zoom. No, I don't have a Zoom. I have a Tascam. But mm-hmm. does the Zoom? It usually has like crossed microphones, right? One's pointing one direction and one's pointing the other. That's still sort of directional. I, I guess I. Yeah. So you have the one I'm using. I think it's the Zoom Two. Okay. H2N. Yeah. There, there is the H4N, and they, they, I mean the the last ones are amazing. But um, but I don't invest. I love this tiny, tiny one I'm using. Uh, and it has four mode. You have the two channel, the four channel, and you have one. It's um, oh, it's a it's a it's a mode where it it you can uh, choose to have more context of the back and a bit of the front or. A lot of the front and a bit of the back. And by back and front, you mean microphone? Yeah. Back microphone. Because okay. they, it, in a Zoom, you have four microphones, basically. And you have, oh. and additionally, they recreate one microphone by an extra a combination of the four. So that's the 5.1. Oh. And, uh, and I got used to, to use the two-channel. So you have, it's a, it's a kind of, uh, it, it goes around, it takes everything around, but not that wide. It takes more closer because yeah. that, that's a decision, decision I took based on many tests and many, many contacts. It depends a lot. For example, the day of the official parade, the folded one is great because you're going to have the, mm. you know, the crowd and everything. Thing, you feel a little bit of that. The two channel is closer, so for real soul, it's great because you really focus on what's around. But it it obliges to find the best part. 
but that's not a problem. I like to be in the middle of it. <laughs> I love that about your recordings is that you walk around and then it's like you'll be in like all, by all the hippies making calls and then and then you'll move up, you know, to the front by the quikas and you move around so you get you get to hear all those different pieces. Yeah. And there, there there are these moments and and that that is something that we've learned. It's not we knew it that there is those moments. So they are going to do the break, and this break, it's a conversation between I don't know the Viagogo and the Sordo. So right. wow, that's challenging because the Viagogo is right in the front and the Sordo is there. So <laughs> where I'm going to position myself? So, so you you need to learn the parts of the uh, of this battery so you can really record it properly without missing anything. Mm-hmm. And it takes time, and it, I mean. Because and sometimes you don't have the time to run from one part of the battery to another, so you can you can yeah. record both of the part. But most of the time, you have those patterns, and intuitively, I would say we know it. We know, for example, that oh, this battery they have one of the best rapid section, so sure. the, the master is going to to value it. So um, instead of having a, a, a break where all the battery comes together, the battery is going to come with, uh, with a repic calling the batteries. And then the battery comes back. So this moment where the, the, the repic appears, you need to be close to them because it's beautiful. <laughs> so, right. uh, so intuitively, you, 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 you try to go back to the center where those lead repics are and, and you recall them. And then it really depends on the battery. Uh, and, and we go back to this uh, battery identity stuff thing or uh, that, yeah, you, you need to know them a little bit. So you, you, you know, what's going to happen a little bit. Right. Right. Have you ever tried, I know, I, I know, uh, <laughs> you know, time, you might not have time to put all this together, but have you guys ever tried doing like more than one person on a microphone and then mixing yeah, that together? Many times, many times. So we, <laughs> we tried I think the maximum we tried is three uh, wow. we tried two because one of the frustrating things is that during the rehearsal if you want to have this, the, the, the singer that's very complicated because those tracks they use for the rehearsal they the sound doesn't go to the battery it goes on it's lateral so it goes right. to the public so if you want to have the singer properly because it's important for the part because the uh, mm-hmm. This is something that you need to get really, even to learn your part. It's really based on the on what is being sang there. So <laughs> you need that yeah. so you can identify what's going to happen. Um, and the closer to the track, obviously, uh, the louder the, the you're going to have the singer. But uh, sometimes you need to record the tambourines in the front. But it would be nice to have more of the singer so I can understand how we mm-hmm. fit together and how nice is it when they did that, the, this part of the towering, it's really, it's really so beautiful with the, with the, with the song. We need to show that. And sometimes you can't because it's too far away. So we try that and it's really challenging because of the physics, <laughs> because of the way the sound travels through space. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it does mm-hmm. speed. And, uh, and it's very uh, common that you have a delay. And then when you mix that back, it, it gives a hard time to really mix it in a way that it's not going to, to, 
to be ah, ugly to listen because it, there is a delay, there's something that's not it. Right. Uh, so we abandoned it <laughs> mostly because it gives a lot of work. We did some nice things when I had more time. Uh, I did some nice things doing that because really, yeah, you have you you can uh, reflect more of one part of the of what is happening here. So it's more, um, yeah, it's more authentic, but it gives a, f- a lot of work. <laughs> Lots yeah, of work. right. All that mixing yeah. at the end. Can I you tell that, me what, what that, I'm there? just, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm cutting you. Go but ahead. Yeah. I, I'm, no, 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 go ahead. I, I'm going to, to say something, and it's really remembering those times where I, I had to, to, to do the CD. Uh, and at some point, it became like I didn't want to do the CD anymore, and at the, it was the beginning of the cloud of all those things. And I started telling to the guys, you know, you, you don't have to to buy the CD with me. You know what? Uh, I'm putting all this recording online. It's on Dropbox or whatever, and it was super new. I mean, it was 2000 and probably nine and it was the beginning of the blackberry i mean the population there they still had their traditional smart uh, telephone so so at the time it was it gave me a lot of work and uh, and so wow i'd like not to do it because one of the things that happened is that because of the cd and because it, even if i put that in mp3 I, I needed to just choose one part of the rehearsal and it needed to be the best part that reflects everything where you have at least one entire uh, tambourine, sa- uh, tambourine part without a break in the middle. But during this 10 or 12 minutes of recording, I need to have most of the breaks because I really, it was like, yeah, a snapshot of everything in a re- on, on, on mm-hmm. the on the rehearsal. And since I was distributing that so people could learn, I had those feedback. You know what? Recording is good, but you don't have a third. Uh, you don't. You don't put the third breaks into it. So can you do another one? It was really wow, exhausting. Gave <laughs> me a lot of work. Yeah. And you know what? There was it was rehearsals, and rehearsals is made to make mistakes. It's not to be perfect. It's not meant to be perfect. It's really about improving. So sometimes it, you had a lot of. Uh, bad moments in this rehearsal and I had this uh, hard time trying to really uh, not um, hurt the sensibility of the guys of this battery or even the mastery because imagine I put in this CD uh, 10 minutes of uh, I don't know uh, one samba school and the rehearsal is terrible and right at the moment where they, there is the silence, be, silence because of the break, one of the repic guys just, uh, it is repic and, uh, and he, he did a mistake. And wow, what can I do? So I had a lot of work like editing and, mm-hmm. and uh, it was cosmetic sometimes. <laughs> so mm-hmm. one of my recordings, I mean, very, very few people uh, knows it, but some of my recordings, mainly 2006, seven, eight, a lot of them are fake. <laughs> it's not fake news, it's fake recording. It's not fake because it's still there, but you know, when you put a, you, you take a piece of there, you put there and, and you try to mm-hmm. assemble a recording so you can have everything. Uh, yeah, I did that a lot. It's I think that's normal. Yeah. I think that's- 
it's yeah. part of it's part of it. But now, I mean, then w- when people start to use smartphone and they had more and more access to internet, I really put the, all those things online. So I had this website. It was called Samba Neurochico. That was you? Mm. Yeah, it's me. <laughs> uh, so, so then did you stop You stop doing that and we all were like, what happened to this guy? What happened to this Samba <laughs> But you started Trofeo after that then. Yeah, yeah. Samba Neurochiko was... Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, the CD. I mean, the CD. I, I put the word Samba Neurochiko on the CD back at the beginning, back in 2005. Oh, okay. I, like, the name of this concept was... Uh, neurotico. Neurotico is someone who is really systematic and, and addicted. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Addicted to samba. Uh, I can't believe that was you. We used to like <laughs> listen to those and pass them around. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, oh I do too. <laughs> I <laughs> I'm a fan of this job. So samba neurotico. And then, I mean, I started to work a lot and uh, I, I had less and less time to spend on samba. So I tried to use the most efficient way of, of uh, providing all those steps to, to everyone without wasting too much time. So first I did a, a website, but then, wow, no, I don't have time to, to edit everything. Uh, even yeah. if I'm tacky, it gives me a lot of work. So, and then it became, yeah. I think it became a Facebook page. And then, then we decided to create the Trofeo Bateria and, uh, and the, the we, we wanted to record also to, to be connected to that project and to, to, to be connected to the fact that we wanted to value all of those players and all those musicians and to, to really make them to appear. I mean, and the, the image is also very important. So I, I'd say that in, in 2014, there is a change. You don't record anymore. People wanted images. They want film. And, you know, I mean, editing a sound gives a lot of work. But And then you need to edit the, the video. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't. It's not my job. <laughs> and I need to sleep yeah. at night. So, uh, and, and some great guys started right at this moment. They started to record also. So you had those uh, apoteos. Uh, mm-hmm. Started to record. I think you, the, the guys, the the the, the core <laughs> guys of um, of uh, Apoteos uh, started to to record pretty soon. I remember him. He was very young at the time, and he he, he started to record also at the time that I was recording. But this really it was very the beginning. And then those guys they 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 grew and then they came together and this created this concept. Of Apoteos, which is great. It was the most it's important great, yeah. source of, of uh, information and sound and videos. Yeah. Yeah. A, the, they are more than one and they have a lot of equipment. So it, it's very it's very useful for, for mm. the sound business. Mm-hmm. But, but the way we work and mainly with Bruno and Son, it's really dedicated to the trophy and, um, and a kind of a way for us to justificate um, and not justificate, but to to document and to show to everyone involved in the project what what each battery has been doing uh, that year. Because the trophy is not just about the parade. Parade is just a moment. It's just a photography of uh, what happens that year. But we, we try to take in consideration the whole preparation, the way 
they improved or they changed something or they introducing something new. And uh, so it became important to, to recall that too. Yeah, it's really it's really a valuable resource for people outside of Brazil just to kind of get a window in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And thanks to the technology, I mean, wow. Yeah, so yeah, it's a good time. <laughs> yeah. for that. Speaking of technology, can you tell us um, what your Zoom settings are? Like, so you said you did, um, I guess it was like two microphones and then five at times, but do you? Like, how do you keep it from clipping and, and sounding super compressed? So um, I'm recording in, a, in a, one of the best quality. So I don't compress it in MP3 within the recorder. I do that afterwards. Okay. So try to prevent from that because you have two kinds. I mean, you can configure it to be a variable a bitrate uh, MP3 or a uh, um, uh, I think it's a fixed. I don't know the, the other one. You have the variable and uh, fixed. yeah, and um, and because the sound is very very loud and and there is few yeah. frequency variation within the battery, uh, the variable uh, bitrate is not the best uh, compression option. The, the the I don't know if it's fixed or permanent. I don't remember the other one. But it's something that doesn't change the bitrate uh, within a recording. It, it, it stays the same. But I do that afterwards. So I record in wave, in two-channel wave. So it's heavy. Okay. So I have many, many SD cards <laughs> each year. I need to empty <laughs> them, put that in a computer so I can yeah. empty all the, the... And I do that. It's a season. We have this moment of the year that, okay, let's work on the, all these materials and to clean that. Um, big files, yeah. So, yeah, recording, you need to record it in very good quality and then do the shitty things after. <laughs> but at <laughs> least you, you need to have the good thing in good quality at the beginning. Um, and clipping, I mean, you need to, to, to configure it to have the lowest, lowest sensibility almost zero sensibility <laughs> because it's too loud. Uh, yeah. So what helps I mean, a lot. Even, oh, sorry. No, well, even when I, I mean, I don't have a zoom, but my task cam, even when I turn it all the way down, it's still like getting overblown. So the distance is important. So that's another thing that you, you may have noticed if you come to Rio, but um, you're on a stick. <laughs> yeah. So remember, I, I told you the story of having this metallic expandable uh -huh, yeah. stick. So yeah, we, we, <laughs> yeah, we've we've been we've been through an improvement path <laughs> since then, um, because my harm has been working a lot through those years, and really, it was not the best option because you need to you need to have a distance, and it's a good distance because the higher you are, the the more the wider you'll be. So you, you, you take really the, um, the most part of the mm -hmm. battery and it doesn't clip that much. It doesn't saturate that much. So yeah, the mm -hmm. stick is really important. And you can notice if you observe me, you'll see that at some moment I really write, I raise it very high. And some other moment I go, I, I go down. Oh. And sometimes oh. I go very down. And I, if I want to have something very directional for quick as for example, or, or something like that, I goes very, I goes down. But then I, I most of the time I do an editing work on on, um, on programming to to equalize some of the frequencies. So it, that happens a lot when you come 
in the front of the battery when you have the chocalio, uh, the tambourine, uh, the agogo, you have the same kind of frequency and, uh, mm-hmm. and it, it can be very dirty. So you, you need to mix a little bit to, to, to make it less aggressive to, to the ear. Uh, interesting. What software do you use? So now, the other one, <laughs> I don't remember its name, but now I'm, I'm, I'm so used to it. And uh, you can configure your, I mean, you can preset your thing. So I don't have to find it again. I know that, oh, this one is, is for, and it's funny, you know, it's, it's really characteristic. But this one is for, uh, for example, uh, I have a preset for Mangera specifically for Mangera. I have another one for Mossadaj. I have another one really? which is generic for, for uh, uh, the Cozinha and another one for uh, the, the Pesaj Lev, that, that I call it, it's tambourine, chocalho, just to have those routine that I, I know they're going to do the job, so I don't need to search and to test mm. it. I have this mm. presets, and, uh, and that's it. What's the name of the software? Uh, audio my mac is not working anymore it's the adobe thing adobe audition audition that's right exactly yeah yeah good stuff so there's enough of a difference between the batteries that you have like a mangera setting and a Mosataji setting that's so cool yeah because mangera the 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 kasha they have a wider kasha so oh, yeah right it's a bit uh more grave i mean it's uh lower lower yeah it's a bit lower so uh at some point if you if you don't take care of it it, the 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 sound it's not it's not that shiny so if you want to have it a bit more shiny like yeah Uh raise a little bit and then you have the very very um metallic battery like velador tijuca is a bit like that but um uh, I don't know what to say that in English. Like a lot of high sounds. Like yeah, acute. I would say maybe. Uh, and then, and then it's the contrary. You need to, you need to, to make the the, the lower frequency um, appear a bit more. Because Tijuk, for example, is a good example. They are very educated in the way they they play sordo. Right. Yes. And 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 uh, in, in some part they put their hand on the sordo, so the. The, the the sound is very dry, mostly in the in the breaks. They're very dry, so the the feeling that you have when you listen to Tijuca, it's a yeah, it's a dry battery. Uh, it's a bit acute. It's a bit um, not acute, and, uh, almost sharp. Sharp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then uh, so it's always good to to make the the yeah the lower the lower frequency to be a, a bit. Uh, but really, I am very demanding here because Tijuca is probably the most enjoyable battery to record. It's it's nicely uh, naturally equalized. The equilibrium, I think, it's one of my favorite battery to record. It, it gives me very very few work, to be honest. Most most of the time, everything is perfect. There's no nothing I need to cut, and um, and it doesn't. I don't need to raise the, the the microphone that high. It's very yeah, it's very well done. Good job. I remember uh, Beja Flo at the at the period of uh, Pauline was like that, uh, 
and it's back in 2005 to maybe eight, he was there. And I remember uh, so many times I, I, I was listening to it and said, oh my God, this is, this is a perfect recording. That, I mean, and even listened with my ears, I said, wow. But because I remember back at that time, you had three, four, uh, four rehearsals the same night. So you, you could compare. You could say uh, oh. you had three rehearsals in a row, three batteries, and then you have Beja Floor and you say, wow, this is so clean. This is so, wow, uh, smooth and actually, it, it, was, it wasn't that nervous. It was more like smooth. I don't know how to say that, but it was really nice. And really because they were more educated. They, they wasn't like beating their pseudo, just like they wanted to kill the beast again. <laughs> it was like playing instrument. That's pretty enjoyful. Uh, mm. To is like that too. But, you know, I don't really criticize. It's, it's the energy of the battery. You cannot say that. It's not beautiful to see those, those schools that are more aggressive or more, um, uh, more energetic with the instrument. It's part of it. I mean, it's part of the identity. Even even Mangera, you know. Uh, oh my God, I don't want to resuscitate as a as a solo at Mangera because um, yeah, <laughs> they they beat it pretty hard. Yeah. So. Do uh, do you think that the sound of Tashuka come? I mean, they spend so much time. We learned from um, S.G. Junior Sapayo on tuning. Yeah, and tuning is a Oh, it's a big part of Tijuca, yeah. And you know, I was talking about uh, about Beja Flor, but really, I think, and I'm from from this generation. Uh, I cannot speak for the period I haven't uh, witnessed, but um, I, I remember this period, and I, I think the responsible for the tune at Beja Flor was Rodney, and Rodney is the master of Beja Flor today. And, you know, the, the guy cannot be everywhere at the same time. But I remember Rodney, uh, uh, I mean, taking taking care of the sodas of the tune of Beja for It was like, this guy, I such a here. He was able to, to, I remember, it was visual. I was recording at some point of the battery, and he came right next to me, listened to the, to the soda with his ear, and... I mean, the decibels are the maximum at that moment. And he was able to listen. He was like paying attention to the pseudo, uh, uh, getting closer with his ear. And he took his key and, and he was like working on the pseudo to make it more tight. And like immediately the sound was, <laughs> and so many times I thanked him. I said, oh my God, thank you. <laughs> You've just like solved the, solved the whole thing. The sun became just perfect just because you came in here and you, you tightened a little bit the sort of, um, and, uh, really at, the, at this time it was so nice. And it's the, the acrylic room. It was really the perfect tune. like, dum, 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 dum. it's really, really nice. And then really Tijuca started, and they already had that, but he, he, they improved a lot. And those last, I went mean, ten years. Tijuca has, has been very great in terms of tune, and uh, and that's because of uh, the guys there, Junior. But there are also the people that have been in Tijuca for many, many years. And I think it's a mix between being able to understand what what are the notes, 
knowing them by heart. And even not by heart, I don't know how to explain that because I think it's it transcends the the perception of the ear. It's more than that because it's impossible for you to to hear. It's too noisy there. It's too crazy. And uh, I don't know. I don't know if those guys are. They just feel the vibration somehow, so they can find the perfect note. I don't know. It's Junior told us that um, the way he learned from the person he learned from would put his hand on the skin of the drum and be able to tell if it was in tune or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From touching the vibration of the head, which yeah, I think yeah. is insane. That's why I, so I, I'm, I, I believe that, and I've seen that a lot because it's all about vibration. You know, sound is a vibration. And, um, and you, I mean, you, you see when the solo is not tightened enough, you can see visually, you can see on that. A raw, on a raw level, but like to such a fine degree like that, to be able to, you know, that's just a, that's a level of sensitivity in your hand that is really incredible. Yeah. And they spend a lot of time. I mean, they're, they're into it since they are kids and they've been following the masters, the, the, the big masters. And there's a lot of names, you know. So yeah, it's uh, it's um, it's something that I would be uh, incapable of <laughs> to even to understand somehow. Uh, it's yeah. just to observe it and see the beauty of it. It's really yeah. impressive. Yeah, Diana, did you have a question? I cut you off there earlier. I'm sorry. Um, I forgot that question, but I have another question. Um, it's common for us here to use earplugs all the time, but I often see that Brazilians don't. Do you use earplugs when you're recording? So, um, yes, all the time. Um, and even playing for many years. Uh, and I think I got addicted to it also. I'm addicted to many things. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but, uh, even to sleep, you know, for many. Now I think for many, many years, I can't really sleep properly if I don't use earpods. I have those like very small ones that put there and you sleep so yeah for many years because really uh, i did a test and that was 12 years ago or even mm -hmm. more i did this uh, test and really my my hair became affected by all these years of samba <laughs> and uh, i said oh my god uh, yeah i need to take care because i cannot admit to be deaf and not being able to listen to that anymore <laughs> impossible <laughs> so yeah i i decided to take care of my ears so yeah i i used it a lot and and specifically for because when you play you on you 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 listen only to a single frequency so the tambourine frequency is totally fucked up in my ear when i do the test uh mm. <laughs> it's like it's very bad <laughs> this frequency mm. it's, it's very bad it's a range of frequency, uh, and that's and I think that's why I prefer now to not have. I mean, a lower sound for tambourines nicer for me because maybe because I I, I can hear it better. The very the retinent tambourine, like, ding, 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 ding. no, I hate that. It really like mm -hmm. it's physical. It, it doesn't. Uh, doesn't work for me but doesn't work for me but um so i decided to to yeah but recording i need to be i need to be in the middle and the directions is really important because i need sometimes i need to face an instrument i need to get closer so it goes straight in my heels if i don't use yeah uh, airpods uh, there i'd be dead by now <laughs> <Definitely>. <laughs> 
Um, can you tell us what camera you use or like what do you have like a GoPro? No, I don't. Yeah, I had, but I don't like the um, the credit of the GoPro. Um, I, I mean, we use it. We we use GoPro. We but now we we use phone. I mean, uh, the, I mean the phone. The, the technology improved so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, you can do incredible recordings. Uh, Bruno invested in this uh, thing that uh, you you use it so your phone doesn't shake when you walk. Because the first oh, no. video recording uh-huh. that we did was quite terrible to to watch, but now we're using those are much more stable, so it's it's uh, it's a very good job. But, I mean, those phones are computers. Come on, it's a computer with size lenses and mm-hmm. man, I mean. It's, 15 years ago, that would be a dream to have that. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not into, I mean, I like to, 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 to film, but it's not what I enjoy the most because you need to take care of what you're doing. When you record, you're, you're more free. You can watch in any single direction. You need to pay attention to what you're, you're watching. So when you film, you need to watch your screen and not watch what happens around. And to me, it's really frustrating. It, it's just like you go to a show and you watch the show through your, your cell phone. And I know a lot of people do that. It's terrible to me. It's like I know. You know, it's weird. the end of the world. <laughs> it's weird, and I know yeah. There are so many people go to a show and they film and they watch the show through the cell phone. I mean, it's crazy. It doesn't make sense at all. <laughs> yeah, we've done... I don't know, Diana, you've probably noticed this when we're doing different parades and stuff and people are like filming, like just looking at their phone. There's all these like phones sticking. Yeah. You're just like, what's going on? (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes you want to watch the show and you can because there are 10 people in your front, in front of you with the phone. And it's, I mean, someone needs to invent in technology that doesn't need a device anymore. I don't know. It's the future is having a a lens on your ear and glasses yeah glasses that google came yeah. out with that creeped everybody out <laughs> yeah. yeah would you be willing to make us a uh, a little document of like your um hardware and software preferences would you be willing to share that with our audience so people can learn better how to record either their own batterias or Mm-hmm. events and things i can give the reference of the two recorders i have the two it's two zoom models and i, I really yeah. enjoy them uh, the black one the h2n it's very accessible in terms of price and it's a very good machinery i really love oh. it they, they are much more advanced one but i don't i don't really need that this one is pretty it looks like darth vader it's my little dog <laughs> <laughs> And uh, yeah, but it's very simple though. It's it's not really sophisticated, uh, but really, have a good editor is really important. I think. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of a lot of memory. That's one of the hardest part. You need a. I mean, I have an external IT, three external IT, mm-hmm. HD because. Um, I mean, you need you need to have memory, and uh, and the cloud is pretty yeah. expensive. So, yeah, a lot of is. memory. I have. I mean, most of my very whole recordings they are stored on Amazon cloud service hmm. because it's very it's very 
it's not expensive at all if you don't if you don't transfer it. So I've created it's like a it's not a cemetery, but it's like a, a time capsule. So in the future, someone is going to discover this folder on a of the Amazon S3 storage <laughs> <laughs> service and say, oh my God, what's that? Let, let me have a look at that. Oh my God, it's a fucking good recording. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, it's it's too much. I don't even use CDs anymore. I don't I don't even have something that, that plays CDs at home anymore. Yeah. I don't think I think a lot of people don't. Yeah. That's whole technology, you know. I still have my mini disc, though. <laughs> I wish I had because I had many mini discs, but I can't play them because oh, I have Sony, a ton of mini discs. Sony, they stopped producing and giving support to the to mm. the recorders and the players. So I have, I mean, I must have thirty MDs full mm-hmm. of packs of recordings, and I cannot access them, and I can listen to them because. I don't know. I have the I have the disc, but I don't have the player anymore. Right, it's obsolete. It seems. I don't know if you can find them online. Maybe. I mean, it's uh, yeah. I tried, but I, I mean, uh, it's it's an open uh, demand on Sony. Sony, if you hear me, <laughs> me with that. Me maybe with you that. have some extras laying around. <laughs> yeah. I bet you could find some on eBay. Yeah, maybe so. So, um, Bruno, uh, we almost called you Bruno. <laughs> Vincent, can you tell us, um, do you have any feeling for where Trofeo is headed in the future? I know we've got this coronavirus um, thing happening. Yeah, what do so you see for this year? And This year is going to be very messy uh, because, you know, July, August is the moment where we start going back a little bit to uh, to the schools where the, the theme of the year is chosen, we, the composers are starting working and we, we start, normally it's the period where we're coming back to schools and then September and October is we choose the, the samba and then and really start. So COVID is going to fuck that up, definitely, because samba is about gathering, right? <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's going to be very hard. So... Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, what I'm sure is that Trophy is going to continue. Uh, you, you know, we are very happy. We were. Uh, we had no idea it, it would go that well. Uh, I remember the first edition. We said, oh, "But let's do it. Let's try." We talked to a bunch of people, and many, many of them say, "You know, oh, decided no, I don't like that." But after it became very not popular and, and respected in a way that we, we could not even imagine. And I remember we had this idea when we created the, the idea, we say, okay, in five time, in five years from now, if someone puts the, the logo on his T-shirt, that would be such a reward for us. That would be so great. And that happened on the first edition, the first year, right. people started to put the logo on the T-shirt. Wow. So we say, okay, so what's the next step? Uh, is it a tattoo <laughs> <laughs> or something like that? But really w- what we would like in the future is like uh, having this moment where we can gather everyone in a, in a single event and, and giving the rewards and having I mean, this kind of... Re- 
this gathering where we can uh, give the trophy in a moment that is dedicated to that. Hmm. We do like the way we're working right now because it's something more um, intimate and we go school by school, we go there and we take time. And generally it's a moment where there is only the battery here, there. It's during a rehearsal. It's not when all the school is there. Sometimes it happens okay. that oh, we need to give the trophy and it's the, the summer night and all the school is there and the, the, the president is going to take the microphone and then it gets political. <laughs> we don't really like yeah. it. Uh, we, we prefer something really dedicated to the battery. But um, we feel like it, it would be very, um, I mean, it's a, again, it's, it's for them. And, and uh, everything that has been done for Samba, it's, or it's been only for a specific artistical aspect of the Samba, even those reward things, uh, it, it, it values a lot the artist, uh, the, the carnavalesco, or even the singer, uh, the dancer, or the people that are not really some business, uh, the choreographer of the of the right. of the Commission de French was some someone from the the, the opera or things like that. It's nothing to do with right. samba. So it's like rewarding people that are not some bista, but we won't. They've been they are rewarded in the samba. It's it's pretty schizophrenic. So we really would like to have something really dedicated to to the battery you have some really great initiative uh, one of them is the the sambanet have you heard about the sambanet no you need to meet those guys you know this year it all every year it happens uh in may oh. and this year it, it happened it didn't happen because of the covid uh even digitally they don't do anything but it's also a reward that that consider all the all the parts of the of the schools, but for the group GSS, for the small schools. Oh, okay. And it happens for many many years. I think they started in two thousand something like that. Hmm. So it has almost twenty years. Um, and uh, and it's a very very humble, uh, funny, and and uh, a great ceremony. Uh, it's not. It's not something you know cheesy with all those uh, important person. Blah, blah, blah. It's very simple, um, and I like that. But uh, again, you have the battery of the school, and and they play all the tunes, and uh, and they do, there is just this moment they receive their prize, and and the rest of the time is for the rest of the summer school. <laughs> but uh, right. if they don't play, nothing happens, you know. <laughs> they, should, they should have a lot more attention uh, and rewards. Um, so, yeah, I, I think one of the things we would like to, to do is uh, having that, but it's not necessary in, in the terms that we really insist on that because we know it costs a lot and it's, it, it may bring some difficulties to, to, to manage all those things, but... Maybe, maybe one day, I don't know, in five years, I don't know. <laughs> so that would be like a big ceremony with all the different batterias there. Is that, that what you're saying? I would love one it. thing. Yeah, yeah. That would be yeah, really awesome. cool. Yeah. That would be great. Where could you, I mean, you'd have to hold that at, where would you even have that? What's a venue that's big enough? <laughs> oh, there is a lot. I mean, big, big venues. I don't know. Yeah. I can think of, I can think a lot of. 
Oh, velho. Yeah, stadium. Cool. <laughs> I yeah. would put that in the Maracanãzinho easily. Right, wow. Wow. Even everyone fits there. That idea. I love that idea. Now, back, we, we talked to Bruno earlier this year, um, and he had mentioned a book. Are you working on that book with him? I am. <laughs> he, taught, he, he gave a spoiler on that. I can believe <laughs> He did, but not much. <laughs> the book is, is a project for now. But it's project that, um, uh, so the book is, um, yeah, it's project that Bruno and Claudio mainly um, I've been thinking about for, for quite some time. And uh, it's a lot of work. And again, we, we come back to, to, to this, um, this fact that very few things about battery has been said throughout, throughout the um, the story of Samba and the story of Brazil. So you, even in even in the Bibles of uh, the story, the history of Samba, uh, so the books of Sergio Cabral or, or, or the authors, you have a lot of information. It's a, it's a great book, but about the battery, there are almost nothing. Oh, you'd be a you would have a very short, tiny story about. You know, that guy knew the other guy, and that's it. <laughs> no details, no, nothing about who inspired um, someone to become a message battery or why did they choose and why did they invent some, some of the instrument that they have invented? Um, why do they play that way? Who invented what? It's, it's, nothing is documented, seriously. You, you have some things, but it's um, it's not seriously. So I think that's one of the reasons why you have so many legend, <laughs> uh, legend or myth, <laughs> even in in this universe of samba. Uh, and one of the example is the the story about how the the break the paradigm has been invented by Mestre Andre. Have you heard about that? Uh, tell mm. us. So the funny thing is that there are many versions of it. So who are you going to trust? Who are you, yeah, right? Who, who is right in the story? Mm-hmm. So one of the stories says, and that's the most, I would say, romantic one, is that Mestre Andre was a he was a dancer. He wasn't really a, a musician, hmm. and he had such a great leadership, and he, he was the leader of the the football uh, team. Of Mosidaj at the time, because Mosidaj didn't start at the summer school; started uh, as a football team. And um, and when he was leading the battery, and the battery, you know, uh, we're talking about three hundred people right now, but in, in the first parade, Mosidaj they have uh, thirteen people <laughs> playing. <laughs> the battery oh. was thirteen people. Yeah, it was very small school. You know, talking about the the fifties. Uh, yeah, it was another uh, summer school was something else than what we have today. But uh, this guy, in, so the first Paladini was in seventy, so it was all, already big. It was already something commercial. So there was all this thing about carnival, and um, but still he was a dancer, and he had this habit to dance in front of the battery while the battery was playing. He was dancing. So it was something, it was happening, something incredible to see that. And one day, uh, he, he, 
they slipped and in 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 fell down right in front of the battery. And when that happened, the battery just stopped playing. So, oh my God, the master fell down. What happened? Oh. The battery just stopped. And then he fell and he came back on his foot and he did some, some crazy moves of samba and raised his hand. And on this movement, the battery went back. And then, everyone <laughs> So that's the romantic uh, story of the Palagina. And you know what? It's probably not true. <laughs> and probably, probably it's been premeditated. Uh, and uh, I'm not even sure that he fell off uh, or something like that. that he fell there. I, I think it was uh, something else happened. Uh, and there, there is another version that says, no, no, he didn't fail. It was all uh, calculated. It, they, they rehearsed that a lot. There's another version that says that it wasn't really a Palagina. Uh, it was just a Caida, as we say. So you have many different stories for the same fact. And that's really common in Samba, in general, for battery, it, it is a lot. Um, so it's really, it's really interesting to, to discuss that. And, the, and yet I think it's one of the objectives of the book. So the book is going to be about those great uh, mastery, mainly. So it, I think it's not going to be able to count everything, obviously, because uh, the story of the samba and the battery is made of a lot of stories and a lot of people. But it's, it's already, uh, yeah, it's already something that's going to give us a lot of work, a lot of research work and a lot of uh, interviews and uh, a lot of uh, discussions. It's going to be funny. Yeah, it'd be nice. Yeah. And you know, it's for, I, I was remembering the other day uh, one of the traditional paradigma uh, invented by Sebsinho. So Sebsinho do Epiekim is probably one of the, I mean, it's one of the god <laughs> of this heart, I would say. He's the guy who invented most of the uh, Mosidach Palagin, and uh, he's a great, great, great uh, epic players of history. And so he invented so many things. He's so creative that some sometimes he's really is close to to insanity, <laughs> and uh, and uh, he, he, he can scare you with uh, with his ideas because he, he got pretty mad. But so the, this paradigm that almost everyone knows, which is so you you probably plays it, <laughs> right? And and I was saying, oh, okay. and it's 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 really great to speak with them, and you say, oh, tell me about this one. How did you came to this music? And you say, oh. You know, I I had this discussion with this guy saying that what we were doing wasn't really music and wasn't really serious, and uh, and that we should be interested in more sophisticated music and something more classical, and that we should be studying Mozart. And Celsius oh. and Mozart, I need to listen to more. And he, <laughs> effectively, he, he took Mozart and put in samba. <laughs> um, 
So he took this part of Mozart and he made, he made a break of it. <laughs> a lot of a lot of his paladins are, are made out of other musics, um, and it's funny. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of music is built on other music. Yeah, and I think it's the kind of things that needs to be uh, uh, spoken and, and counted and, and registered yeah. and remembered somehow. Yeah, I'm really glad yes, you guys definitely. are doing that project. Yes, it definitely needs to be documented. Mm-hmm. So you're living in Sao Paulo, correct? No, not anymore. Thank God. Oh, oh. <laughs> you moved back to Rio. Yes, I'm back in Rio for a year now. Right on. So do you, when you guys film groups down there, you just didn't just fly down and film them and come back? So I lived in Sao Paulo for three years, almost yeah. three years, two years and a half, for um, professional reasons. Because the company I was working for, they closed their units in Rio, so and they had these units in Paulo, so I needed to... I mean... For other reason, personal reason, I, I really, yeah, I, I tried it. I said, let's go to Sao Paulo because it's really an interesting city, too. Uh, most important city of Brazil. So, uh, but really, it didn't work <laughs> that much. So I went back to Rio because really, I, I really feel Carioca somehow. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's that. I, I, I used to say to people that I'm Parioca. A karaoke from Paris. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so during those years, yes, I took a lot of plane. Do do you know that they call it the bridge? The plane, the the plane between Rio and Sao Paulo is called the 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 Ponchaia. Ponchaia. So it's a bridge because they have so many flights, and you have a flight every single minute. Uh, that's come from a city to another one. So it's more like, yeah, it's a regular line. It's not, it's not a big stop. And, and, and you can, I mean, I did that so many times that you go there and, uh, oh, you want to anticipate your, your flight because your flight was at four, but at three or you are already in the airport. So you can anticipate because it's really like, it's a regular line. It's just like taking the bus almost. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's crazy. So yeah, I did that a lot. I remember, I think it's um, 2018 or 17, like three years ago. Um, I did that like 52 times, almost oh one once a week. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, crazy. I know. Crazy is my middle name. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, one of the things I've heard a lot as a French, right, as a foreigner, is what the hell are you doing here? And so many people had difficulties in understanding what a French guy who was born and grew in Paris, which is symbols of uh, civilizations and uh, uh, sophisticated and, and, and educated world. What, what are you doing in this mess? And, and you know, I, I was... I lived in the suburb for many years and I was doing only samba and I was uh, my closest friend here are from the lower class of the society. So for most of the Brazilian and the elite of Brazilian, they, they quite could not understand what I was because for, for the elite, most of them, they, they want to fly away, definitely. They like to live in Miami or, or Europe or somewhere else. And having this French guy 
<laughs> it was like too much for them. So mm. probably the question I've heard the most in these years, 17 years in Brazil is, is that, what the hell are you doing here? Uh, and it, it still continues. <laughs> and, so, and really, sometimes I had to admit that it was not that a bad question. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes you, you take decision and you, 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 you let it flow in, uh, in many ways. Uh, I let it, I let it flow. And, 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 you know, uh, everything happened so smoothly and, and uh, I cannot complain. I had a great time in Brazil. I'm having still, even despite all what is happening, it's only a few months uh, compared to many, many years. Right. So, yeah. You felt a life there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And, uh, you know, I'm going to be honest. Last, I mean, 2018 has been very tough for me. I mean, uh, really, uh, I, I really felt, and you know what? My mother, remember I told you that when I decided to come to Brazil, she was not really, <laughs> she didn't really agree with that. I mean, she was not yeah. really happy with that decision. <laughs> and that was in March. And then uh, I think it was in uh, September, I sent her um, a ticket to, to visit me in Rio. And she came, and it took her 24 hours to say, my God, this place is so wonderful. Oh, my my son, you took such a great decision. <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny, and my mother comes every year, and she loves Brazil, and she, she cannot imagine not coming here every single year for the summer, and she loves carnival. She knows everything <laughs> about everything. And, um, and, and so transition to this crisis moment and it lasts since 2016 we don't stand anymore can't stand anymore those those crises because it's four years now it's coming on fifth year of crisis never stop never ends it's political it's ethical it's uh, economical it's all together so yeah. in 2018 i told myself okay if bolsonaro wins i, I need to I need to change. I need to consider coming back to Europe. Mm. Anyone. <laughs> and I, I, I said to many people, you know what? See, if Bolsonaro wins the election, I'm going to flew away. And I felt like, okay, <laughs> so what am I going to do? Uh, am, uh, am I going to collaborate? <laughs> I'm going, am I going to stay? And I, so 2019 was an interesting work year. So I quit my job. I flew back to Rio and I spent many, many times in Europe trying to go back there, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I tried. <laughs> <laughs> I tried, but really it's, it's uh, as you said, I have, I have a life and it's, a, it's my most recent life. Mm -hmm. And going back there, and I feel so far away from France now. It's crazy to say that because I'm French. I, I really feel French. I mean, I'm deeply French. But going back there, every time I'm, I go there, I feel, oh my God, I'm, you know, I feel distant from that mm. reality. And then somehow here, I feel distant from Brazil too, mainly because it's a crisis, obviously. But it's a strange situation where you're not from here, you're not from there, you're in, in the middle mm. serving. And, uh, Obviously, I could live the year. Uh, I could live in, in in France too. I mean, or my family, 
many friends. It's a beautiful country. I love it. Europe in general, it's a, it's a, it's a place in the world. Most of it, the Mediterranean <laughs> area is, is, is a place for me. But I could easily live. But it would be like uh, going back to something. It was like mm-hmm. uh, giving up a project, giving up something that uh, took. Uh, I mean, took a, a huge importance in my life, obviously. So yeah, it didn't it didn't work out, and uh, yeah, I came back. And uh, I mean, thankfully, my my professional trajectory in Brazil has been very successful. And I've been working f- with uh, education here in Brazil for uh, 15 years, both in the startup world and then uh, I worked in in, uh, in a Brazilian company and then in a multinational British company. Now I'm hmm. back in in a more um, smaller context with a Brazilian group, and I'm very happy because um, I-, I feel at least working for education that I- I'm contributing contributing to something. Mm-hmm. Are you working from home? Uh, you, you want the name of the company? No. Are you working from home right now? Oh, right now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us um, about, I'm going to change the subject a little bit, but what um, what is what is one of your happiest moments being involved in, in Samba and, and this whole this um i like this question whole world <laughs> life change i like this question one uh, i mean i have so many great memories that it's um it's definitely hard to to pick up i know it's a generic speech here but really uh, i mean it i have i mean you know this uh the uh, this analogy that we we do with the phoenix and this carnival uh-huh. cycle that is able to reinvent itself every year, that something new comes every year, that you have this down and up. Um, it, it, it's very it, it's very satisfactory and sane in a way that you, you don't get bored, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so every, every single year, every single moment that you can go back to this moment is such a joy, is such a... So, um, of course, there are some years that have been better than others. Um, but definitely 2004 has been great because it was the first year that I, I followed the first process entirely. Mm. And 2004, I remember looking at the, I, I remember precisely sitting in the sector room, uh, watching the, the desfile of the, of the champions. Uh, and uh, Tijuca was the second in second position that year, and and it was a surprise because everyone said, "Oh my God!" They, looking at the preparation of the carnival, it was, everyone was saying that Tijuca would never make it, <laughs> and they're mm-hmm. going to to lose miserably, and they're going to go back in the small group. But they made an incredible carnival. It's uh, and it's the year where uh, Paulo Barros appeared to. The, oh yeah! The eyes uh-huh. of the public and the Amazing. world. Amazing. And I remember that we, we we wanted to see that, and we that year I parade with Mossadegh at the Kaisha, and definitely my my first parade with Mossadegh was something 
but it was not that joyful because it was really stressful. Definitely it was stressful. So many tension. And I mean, I wasn't part of it. I I didn't feel, I I felt like an alien somehow. Uh Right. Because I, I mean, I was French. I was there for three months and then I was in a battery. Of course it was a a great joy. It was a, a moment but most like a dream and a lot of tension, a lot of, of fear almost. So, and it ran, and the, the battery didn't went that well, and the parade was awful. So, it was not really a joy. But then in the champions, uh, I remember precisely sitting there and looking at. They had the, this car with a. It was basically human beings trying to represent the DNA chain and they, they had this movement. It was so magic. It was so beautiful with nothing, with human being painted in blue and doing movement. It was so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, it, and it was the moment I say, you know what? I'm going to stay. Yeah, I remember. the. You know the mm. joy that takes you <laughs> in the gut? Yeah. <laughs> And you say, oh, yes, this is it. This is it. This is fucking it. <laughs> there is no way I'm not doing it. And um, I love that. And then, yeah, there's really a, a great moment. I remember the, the first pass I want to, to be uh, on, on, the, on the carnival uh, venue uh, mm-hmm. with uh, a right to go everywhere I want and to stand everywhere That's I awesome. want. That was like, what? <laughs> I remember laughing crazily for hours. This is ridiculous. This is absolutely ridiculous. I'm going to be there the all all the nights watching everything in the middle. No, you're kidding me. It's amazing. So the first one is always the most uh, incredible, and there are, um, you know, there are. Um, I don't know. There are moments I remember. You know, the carnival. The joy is very close to sadness, too. Well, I don't know how to explain. I don't know if the most uh, joyful or the most uh, emotional moment I had there, and I had many. Uh, I remember the Porto da Pedra um, uh, uh, parade uh, about South Africa. I think it was in 2006 or something like that where it was basically, uh, they were talking about apartheid and watching this in your, in your face in such uh, an unequal country as Brazil, where, uh, I mean, I was really, I remember crying the whole parade. Uh, I remember a Manguera uh, parade uh, about uh, Nelson Sargento, and I remember the battery. I remember crying. The old, and I was in the middle of it recording. Mm. And I could stand. I was crying the whole parade. And I mm. love Mangueta, but I, I'm not Mangueta. You know, I mean, right, every, right. every I, I think every some business is a bit of Mangueta, but <laughs> I felt so shocked. I mean, I I was shook. Really, I. <laughs> I started crying crazy. I remember my, my colleagues were watching to me. What's happening? What happened? <laughs> and I say, I don't know. Everything was so, wow, so intense. I think it was the first year of, um, of uh, I, remember, I forgot his name, as a, as a president of Mangueta. This guy is, was important for battery and music. But 
I remember that that year was was great. I remember most of that. I remember the year that we <laughs> eventually we were a champion that year. <laughs> I think it was 2017 because it's the year that uh, for me it was important because I I I divorced. Uh, I was very bad. I was I was going through a very bad moment. I was really depressed at the time. And I, I was really at this moment that I was questioning: Did I, did I take the good decision? What the fuck I'm doing here? Uh, everything is not the same. And I, even though I, I continue rehearsing, and I decided to parade with Mustad, uh, and it was so beautiful, and it helped me to cope <laughs> a lot. So it's a, it's a mixture. But really. Uh, Every single year has those moments. There, there is always opportunity to, to be to be happy. So many moments. The being with others, I think it was it, it's one of the most important things, being with all those guys and rehearsing and parading and, and being ecstatic about it <laughs> sometimes. Uh, I got, now the parade itself is most of the time is frustrating because you prepared so much for it. And uh, it's a serious moment. It's not a moment where you you <clears throat> you jump of joy. And it's pretty. As a musician, I say, as someone playing in a battery, it's pretty intense. It seems like it because you can't mess up. You can't mess up, and you are totally into it. So you 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 know you, to be happy fully, you need to let go, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and in that moment, you cannot let go. You need to be yeah. totally focused. You, you are, I mean, crystal focused on what you need to do. And you need to be totally aware of every single signal of the director and every any any anything that happens around. So really the parade itself, when you parade, it's not the best moment. It's not the best happy moment. When it ends, then... Wow, that's a that's a moment of joy, and that happens when the the parade has been fucking awesome. When you know that you 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 made it. I mean, the whole school made it. So it's a right. it's never an individual joy or happiness. It, it's always a collective. It, it's much more um, str- it's much stronger when it's not your individual happiness when it's a, uh, a right. collective happiness. Shared, yeah. And I had this moment. I remember uh, parading with Villa Isabel the year of uh, uh, that Villa Isabel has been champion, uh, talking about agriculture and and with this beautiful samba of Marcello da Villa. It's just like one of the most beautiful samba of the last 20 years. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> I mean, the, the, the final, after the last judge, when you go to this open space where you have the most popular uh, area of the of, of the parade, it was such an explosion, and it was wow! It was incredible. Um, some parade that that really uh, impacted me. I remember Porto da Pedra when they reedited this uh, Unio da Ilha samba, also about the history of carnival. Uh, such a great parade! Such a great parade! And then, uh, yeah, many, 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 many yeah. great, great memories. 
Amazing. Well, we really appreciate you coming on the um, the podcast and sharing uh, your story and also sharing how you record things and, and for sharing. I mean, you through Trofeo, through the website and the Neurotica website, <laughs> you've, you've given us access to a lot of things we wouldn't have otherwise. We really appreciate right. what you've contributed. Thank you so much. It was for that. I think uh, I'm 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 very happy because this is why I I, I did all those uh, recording at the end. So I'm very happy that it found its public, its uh, audience <laughs> somehow. Yeah, and we, we we are still providing the recordings on the trophy now. Uh, somebody in neurological is dead now, <laughs> doesn't it? Right, right. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Continue following the trophy. It's a great work. It's a collective work. Also, it's not me and Bruno, and it's it's, a, it's the whole judge and the whole thing is very, very um, precious. I would say, uh, yes. very, very precious. Yes. Do you have any shout outs you want to give to anybody? I would say, yeah, continue. Um, playing that i know it's the, i know it's strange um as a as a gringo in your country back in your country to to celebrate uh, another another country music and culture it's a bit weird right it's just like oh no i'm um, i'm having oh i'm american i live in portland and i have this group we we play russian tunes oh no i'm i'm from new york and we have this Thailand is um, or Bali uh, music band, and they say what? But right. <laughs> what? Why? Why don't you uh, play your own cultural music and all the stuff? I mean, it's not wrong. You guys, you're right. <laughs> uh, follow your feelings and your your vibes, and and continue because it, it's uh, it, samba is one of the most beautiful tradition we have in the world, and it's still vivid. It's it's one of the human celebration of life where you gather children, middle age, adults, old oldies, older I mean elderly, all together in the celebration of joy, sadness, uh, beauty, uh, ugliness of life. Mm. It's, I mean, it needs to be celebrated everywhere. So I'm really uh, grateful to speak to you guys. And uh, yeah, just have this message. Continue. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for being on. Yes. Thanks for the conversation. Thank you, guys. Well, we hope you like that episode. We had a good time uh, speaking with him. And uh, yes, I, I was telling Courtney that I was very hungry at the end of this conversation because it took so <laughs> it's quite, quite a while to end our conversation. But it's always great to talk to folks around the world. We didn't let you get a word in edgewise. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, him and I were geeking out. So, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, but, Diana. No, it's okay. I enjoyed listening. So we have shout outs today. Um, 
So Rob Akari from Australia, we, well, he's actually from UK, but he now lives in Australia. We interviewed him a couple episodes ago. He has been helping me. He, I guess he's got a degree in audio engineering and he's been helping me. He never me told us that. <laughs> I know. Did he? <laughs> well, he's been studying it a long time. No, he didn't. So uh, he's been helping me, giving me ideas and tips and teaching me all about things that should be basic. You guys hear the dog barking? <laughs> anyway, uh, in addition to him teaching me um, and helping me out a lot with audio things, um, also Bloco 3K, holy cow, he did those lessons um, with uh, the Hoshinya folks, three different um, lessons, and they made a lot of money for um, great. the Batteria there. Yeah, he posted pictures this week of all the food and supplies, sanitary supplies and things that they bought and they identified different people in the batteria that were most in need and they gave them all that stuff. They bought more than a ton of, of uh, supplies. So that's more than 2,000 pounds. Way to go, Blocko 3K and Rob. Yeah, and so keep following. Everybody follow Blocko 3K on social media because he's thinking... Oh, I shouldn't say that. I don't think Shh. I should say that. No spoilers. Having another one. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. I'm going to cut that out. Hey guys, this is Courtney actually cutting in to say that Rob is having more workshops. There's going to be Hipiki, Kaisha, Tresera, Third Zerdu, Tamborim, and Chimbao this time. So Tamborim and Chimbao are, are added. So stay tuned. We will be posting like crazy uh, to support this project that Rob is doing uh, and Hosinia. Also, I'd like to add that if you are still listening, you are a massive nerd, too. (laughs) We'd also like to shout out Gordon Daniels because he's um, chatting with us a little bit and telling us about getting out of Brazil before the shutdown and mandatory quarantine of 14 days if you return to the United States from Brazil. So um, he showed us some photos of different gigs and stuff he's doing in Florida with a very, very little social distancing. <laughs> it's very yeah, interesting. Yeah. But yeah, he's been a great follower on social media and always gives comments and um, sends us tips and things like that and uh, mm-hmm. links. So thanks, as always, Gordon, uh, for your for your uh, commentary and uh, what's the word? Being a supporter. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, you can find Gordon at Gordon Daniels Music. Um, and you'll find him doing lives and posting pictures. Yes. I also want to give a shout out to Dennis Lee, who um, just um, said recently that he appreciates the podcast and feels like we're doing good things. Yeah. And he's quarantining at home. He says his neighborhood's good, so he's doing (laughs) fine. Everybody. Uh, Good. I'd like to uh, shout out uh, Sylvia Manrique, who is our good friend and helps with so much translation um, over the last couple months since we've been here. Yes. She's been uh, right in there with us uh, when we talk to these folks in Brazil and man so helpful. And very available. She's been very generous with her time. Yes. So it's been great. It's been great to have a trio working on these. Yeah. And we do have more uh, interviews coming up uh, that take place in Brazil, so uh, we're going to be hearing Sylvia with us quite a bit more, too. So stay tuned. Thanks for listening, everybody. We hope you liked it. Ciao.
They liked it. <laughs> they haven't even heard it yet, but they like it. 